As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed, ready to talk about Raiders training camp. Uh, we're about a weekend. Raiders taking a day off on Thursday. And, and Vic, Deshaun, you guys have you know, seen, what, seven practices or whatever it's been. Any early impressions so far? I mean, uh, what uh, what is this team looking like? Uh, is this defense suddenly going to be a top 15 unit and, and lead them to the playoffs? I don't know about all that, but, uh, you know, with the pads <laughs> coming on uh, the last couple of days, we were out there Tuesday and Wednesday. The play in the trenches was a little bit more loud. It still obviously wasn't full speed. You know, you can't make contact with the quarterback, of course, no tackling, but kind of see a little bit more of how this offensive line looks when the rushers are actually, you know, have on pads and, and trying a little bit more. Yannick Ngakwe, you know, he, he looks like, you know, as advertised, you know, coming in for free agency. And, and Max Crosby looks like he's pretty much healthy coming back from those offseason surgeries. And, you know, they've been able to create a good amount of pressure off the edge. We've seen it a little bit more than we did earlier on in camp where, you know, quarterbacks pretty much all, had all day to throw. Now guys are having to run around and escape the pocket or, and tuck it and run a little bit more or, you know, run out of time and, and, and they call a sack. So, you know, starting to see a little bit more of, of you know, kind of the, the revamped uh, defense on the edge. Uh, the interior has been a little bit like I haven't seen a bunch of interior pressure from what I've, I've watched so far. So um, I think that, you know, might have led to, you know, the signing that they made yesterday. But uh, that's, that's been the biggest takeaway this week, I, I think, is being able to see, you know, the trenches be a little bit more live because, Everywhere else is pretty much the same. You know, they're not, you know, tackling the, the running backs when they, when they take a carry or the receivers, you know, even, you know, trying to contest a pass. Like the DBs kind of back off. They don't really try to break up the passes too much or go for interceptions, really. That's been the biggest takeaway for me. I agree. I think the, uh, for me, the, the confidence in the in the D-line this year seems like it's real. Like in the years past, maybe a little forced, a little, maybe a little, a little phony, but this year they made a lot of moves in the front line defensively. They had a lot of guys and, Obviously, like Deshaun mentioned, Ngakwe has been the real deal. I mean, everyone thinks he's he's the guy, has that presence about him. Definitely in practice looks really good. Max Crosby in phenomenal shape. I think Darius Phylon is going to be a, a playmaker inside. So they have enough pieces, I think, to have a nice rotation of two lines. Even Klee, you know, I think he looks fine. He'll 
I'm not sure how big his role will be, but I think he'll definitely be involved somewhere. And um, so I think they have definitely some real confidence about what they've done in the offseason as far as addressing pass rush and also the guys inside on that front line. So that to me seems like it's a real, a real deal this year. Right, Deshaun referenced the the signing on Wednesday. The Raiders signed six-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-time All-Pro defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. He did not play in 2020. He ruptured his quad um, in training camp with the Cowboys. Uh, had most recently played in 2019 with the Panthers after all those years with the Bucks, and was productive in 2019. Five sacks. Here's a guy that obviously has a you know a history of being a, a very productive interior pass rusher, um, a presence in the middle. What can the Raiders get out of him? I mean, at this point, obviously, we don't really know what to expect. We don't know how how he's recovered from that injury. Obviously, he worked out for the Raiders, and they were impressed enough to quickly sign him. Is this a signing that could make a difference for them? I think the, the, the bar is low. I think you don't know, like, you know, we haven't seen him yet. So I think as long as he can come in and be one of those eight or nine guys in the rotation, then they're going to be happy, I think. Um, obviously, he has a pedigree. And uh, I'm not sure I've seen a lot out of Matt Dickerson so far. I haven't been really – I know it's early, but I haven't been super impressed with him. He's supposed to be the backup to, to Hankins up front. So there's some definitely some some openings there. I think you also can move Solomon Thomas outside if you need to to kind of fortify that run defense on the edge. So I think the main thing is have some a bunch of moving pieces around, the guys who can make plays, and ideally he's still one of those guys. When they signed Solomon Thomas, they were pretty high on Thomas – and you know, thought that he could translate to a full-time three-tech inside, and then you know, camp starts, and then he's playing a little bit more outside. Uh, do you think you know, looking for this additional interior rusher, and just the fact that they are playing Tom's outside after saying they wouldn't, kind of signifies that they aren't as high on him as you know, high on his potential as a three-tech. I may have said some stuff on Twitter that kind of got uh, taken out of context. I may have been a bad job myself of saying it, but like you mentioned, like when they signed him, I'm not sure they said they th- he'd be a full time three tech. I think that was kind of what we said, kind of what was like they wanted to play. I think he said that too. What he said, <laughs> but he wanted to play. Yeah, he wanted to play three tech, but he never said he'll be starting and be full time. I think I think that the plan is he'll have a role, and obviously if he can help inside. I'll find, but to me the question mark is. So outside the edges, you got Ngakwe and Max Crosby, not the biggest guys. And I know Ngakwe has always dealt with – he kind of gets mad. He says he can't play the run very well. He's worked hard. He's gotten bigger this offseason. He wants to prove he can be a full-time edge player. And they're going to let him try. And Max, is, I think, as well right now, they're taking all the first-team reps. But when push comes to shove and they face a top-running team, or can they really hold up? And if they can't, you have to have other answers. I think Thomas could be one of those answers. You mentioned you know, Clee Farrell, guys like that. So I just think that um, – I know he wants to play inside, and they're trying. I think it looked fine so far, but he's not the biggest guy, which has kind of been a problem for him in the past. So I think he can he hold up inside uh, for more than a few snaps a game. I mean, it's early in camp, but I think there definitely is a window now, especially with McCoy coming in, where you can have him maybe play more on the outside than he is on the inside. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we've, we've seen Thomas mostly at the three technique spot during during camp so far. But I mean, Quentin Jefferson is, is you know, leading the way in terms of uh, starting three technique. And so when it comes to McCoy, maybe competing for that role, that's really, you know, who his biggest, I guess, challenger would be is is more so seeing, you know, kind of how that rotation fills out behind Jefferson at this point, because he's taking the majority of the first team snaps. I mean, we've seen five line here and there and Thomas here and there, but Maybe McCoy, if he looks good enough, can can push for the starting job. But I, I more so see it him, you know, kind of competing with Thomas and Fireline for more of that rota- rotational three technique role. When you watch Thomas in practice, you can see why he was a high draft pick. He definitely has. He's a great athlete. He's definitely quick. He's coming off from you know, the injury, but still looks very good as far as a guy who can get 
stuff done with his moves and quickness. So I think as long as he can play somewhere, whether it's inside or outside and kind of move around, that's kind of what they want. They want a rotation of guys coming in and out, staying fresh. I think, you know, maybe the bar was a little too high when he signed, but I think he'll have a a role and we'll have to wait and see what that role is. All right. Well, one guy whose role we know what it is, is obviously starting quarterback Derek Carr. I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, a, a feature that we had last week, and it's something that uh, Mike Sando's done for a long time, and uh, he obviously did it with ESPN before, and awesome that it's here now at The Athletic. Always enjoy reading his quarterback tiers. And for Derek Carr, he came in this year at number 15 on the quarterback tiers. Got a lot of Tier 2 votes, um, but ended up at the top of Tier 3, which a Tier 3 quarterback, and this is basically what Derek Carr is described as, is a Tier 3 quarterback is a legitimate starter but needs a heavier run game and or defensive component to win. A lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. But I don't think you can really argue against that uh, that, that assessment. I mean, that, that's probably what Derek Carr is. I mean, he's considered at the high end of that. And uh, one of the quotes here uh, from an executive, an anonymous executive, says, your eyes tell you he's a three sometimes, but it's hard to say that when you look at the production. The knock is still that you pressure him and he's going to get sped up and he's going to look anxious at times. But you look at the production and you say, "Okay, if they could have played functional defense, what's the record look like? And I think for everybody who is a, a big car fan, I mean, that's probably the argument, right, is that this guy does produce. And if they could ever just give him a functional defense, um, he'd be a lot better. And and that pretty much well defines a a tier three, I think, is that he's not a guy that's going to take a bad team and completely elevate him. He's obviously good enough to to win you games if you have a good enough team around him. I was going to say, it seems like a, you know, a a fair ranking. I probably would, the tiers is is more so of an accumulation of of your play over a period of time. So, you know, just because I think last year, I would say more so Carr was like a top 10 to 12-ish quarterback, just of, of how he played. But, you know, they're more so looking at his, his last few years, um, there were some like, you know, he's below Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not really <laughs> buying that one at this point. You know, there yeah, there, there are a few, you know, rankings that I probably would flip around there. But um, that's, that seems like a pretty accurate description of, of who he's been to this point. Uh, you know, the one year that they made the playoffs, you know, they had, you know, kind of a respectable defense. And every other year that has been terrible, you know, they have been, you know, basically, you know, either 500 or below. And, um, you know, we'll see this year if that changes. But you know, it, it kind of comes off as a knock when you say, like, you know, this guy needs a run game or a good defense to win. But that's most quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> you know, it's almost like the, the very elite guys, you know, can maybe drag a team to the playoffs, you know, you know, quote unquote, on their own. But, you know, I think that's a pretty baseline expectation. If you, if you want to put together a winning team, like your defense can't be one of the three or four, you know, worst defenses in the league and one of the worst defenses of all time last year. And so. You know, it, it kind of sounds weird, but I, I think it's a pretty fair assessment of his game at this point. Yeah, I agree with Tashawn, and I, I agree with most of the quotes on, on the article. I think, you know, Kurt Warner did a really good breakdown of Carr where, you know, he, he talked about, and we've been talking about this a long time, he could just be a little more aggressive and stay on his read a little longer, you know, especially with the deeper reads, and he was a lot more aggressive last year, uh, which is why I think, you know, I agree with Tashawn where I, I would put him in that 10-12 range just based on last year the one quote i didn't really agree with and you know it makes me question if all these executives are really watching Derek Carr or the raiders he said uh they had a strong run game last year and some weapons on outside like the raiders didn't have a strong run game and the receivers didn't play all that well besides uh Aguilar. i think 16 is low if you're just thinking about last year but you know this is like sean said it, it probably is more of an accumulation the last few years 
I probably would have him in maybe the bottom of tier two. I think I have him probably in 12 to 14 range. I think um, with, with Derek, I think a lot of people focus more on the negative plays. And they stand out more than the positive ones. He's had some great throws down the field, some great plays under pressure. I think uh, look at last year, Nelson Aguilar. Everyone, uh, obviously, to Nelson's credit, they worked hard and came in. But I think Derek should get some of that credit because Nelson Aguilar did not have a great career before he got here. Now he's number one guy getting a big contract, I think. You have to give Derek some credit for that. So, you know, Darren Waller. Darren Waller was a phenomenal player, but when Darren Waller got here, he was a former practice squad guy. Uh, so I think Derek has a, did a good job of working with guys, getting their strengths out there, and giving them the ball they wanted. So I think um, I understand why there is a, ne- a negative side with Derek if he's made some bad plays, has some things that you kind of wince at. But overall, I think in terms of the surrounding talent, the defense, the old line's been kind of in flux the last four or five years. I think he definitely um, probably deserves a little more credit than he gets in my opinion. You know, and here's a quote from an offensive coach that I think is, is a pretty good one too. He says, he's a nice kid. And I wondered the last couple of years, can he overcome John Gruden beating him up? Maybe he has figured it out or he has no more butt left to rip anymore. Maybe he went to Las Vegas and lost his ass. Uh, this guy played great against Kansas city last year, which he had not done before. And if he was available and here, I think is probably the key quote. If he was available, you'd have 10 teams lining up for him. Um, and I think that's, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, if if he was available, he would definitely be interested across the league and in, in teams that that felt like they can win with him. Because, I mean, my thing with cars, you know, I think always has been with car. You saw what the Raiders were like for the decade or so before he came. I mean, they were just wandering around, just trying to find a quarterback that could give them some stability. And yes, they haven't won enough. They've only made the playoffs once. But as much as the quarterback is the most important position in the league on the team, it does take more than just a quarterback in order to to be able to win. It's funny because the narrative always is, what would the Raiders do with what could they do without Carr? If they move out from Carr, could they get better? That's, but to me, it's like, what would Derek Carr do without the Raiders? I mean, they've made some horrific draft picks, horrific free agent moves. I um, mean, you look at his past, you know, his career here; they've kind of always gotten in their own way. So I think he, people forget about that. So um, yeah, I, I think he's a good quarterback, very very good quarterback. I think uh, if the Raiders aren't careful and they go somewhere else, they may regret. Like you know, we actually had someone here who was probably better than people thought he was. I think um, it's a big year for him. I was a contract year. If you had asked me like the middle of, of his first year with Gruden, if we'd be here now together, those guys still together, I probably would have said no. I wasn't sure their personalities would work together. I wasn't sure Carl would get better under Gruden, but he has. He definitely has gotten better with his feet. He's gotten better with his reads. I think he's gotten better every year. So that's why I think this year is kind of, uh, kind of fascinating to see what the next step is for those two guys. Yeah, I mean, but competent quarterback play is, is really hard to find in this league. And I think, you know, fans, when they get that for so long, they kind of become spoiled and, and forget what it's like when you, when you don't have that. I mean, uh, I know they haven't reached many highs under Carr, but can you imagine how bad they would be if crap on any quarterbacks on their roster? But if it was, you know, Nathan, Nathan Peterman out there, or Marcus Mariota, like what would their record have been last season? You know, and so you, you put Carr on one of these, you know, we've seen some teams with pretty average quarterbacks go to the Super Bowl recently, like, you know, the year before last with Jimmy G going there. I don't know, like are, are the 49ers really not making it if Derek Carr is their quarterback instead? And so, you know, it's definitely, I think we get too obsessed with, I know Tom Brady's kind of led this, but this old, you know, quarterback win thing and the quarterback, you know, just does it all by themselves. But like every single Super Bowl winning team, like has something else around them, you know, and the Raiders for most of Derek Carr's career have not had that. And so, We'll see if that changes here in this next year or two, but um, you know we can't put too much on him either way it goes. I don't want to crap on the quarterbacks, but but I will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like I mean, let's, let's be honest with. 
I, I think the bottom line is there's just maybe a handful of quarterbacks that can overcome everything that the Raiders have done, you know, and to get one of those guys is like winning the lotto. So it, it's not easy. And, and Carr has, you know, done pretty well with the, what the, the hand he's been dealt. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'll throw out a hypothetical for you guys. Look at the Denver Broncos. They've got a pretty good supporting cast. They've got a good defense. Uh, Shield Kapadia just recently ranked them uh, the number two defense uh, in the NFL going into this season. Imagine, but they have a terrible quarterback situation. They have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Sorry, Sean. Imagine the Broncos. <laughs> hurts, hurts my soul. Imagine the Broncos with Derek Carr. That's probably a pretty good team. I mean, put him on with that supporting cast and with that defense. All of a sudden, do you want to play that twice a year? Especially him going up against you after getting let go. I mean, so, you know, Vic mentioned like the idea of the, the, you know, if you let him go, you know, you're worried about what happens next. I mean, just imagine... You know, I know Derek says he doesn't want to play anywhere else, and um, that's all good and dandy until you're actually not left with any other options. I mean, I think that's the hypothetical that you have to think about. It's like for people that don't like Derek Carr, if suddenly he's on the Broncos with that supporting cast, do you feel comfortable having to play against him twice a year? Probably not. Yeah, I think the other piece is like, you know, it's always like, well, what if we, you know, this this offseason, it was it was Aaron Rodgers that was the quarterback that everybody wanted, you know, instead. and you know, I think we would all objectively say the Packers roster is better than the Raiders roster. And Aaron Rodgers didn't win a Super Bowl with them. So why would he, why would him come into a worse roster, <laughs> you know, suddenly, you know, be the, the difference that pushes the Raiders over the hunt? That's what I'm saying. Like even the the best quarterback in the league last year, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he didn't get it done without having enough help. So I, I think people are just kind of, like I said, I guess, you know, when you have, you know, one quarterback for so long, you, you start picking them apart and eventually you get tired of them. It's just, it's just the nature of fan bases. But I think people have to keep things in perspective a little bit more. It'd be so cool if somehow Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams came to the Raiders and like Devontae Adams came to the Raiders as Derek Carr was getting <laughs> shoved out of town. That, 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 would, that would be cruel. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic. And uh, it's it's a favorite uh, feature every year. Vic, uh, you've been doing this a long time. And uh, this year it might be tougher than most years. Um for Ted and I, I don't really think uh, we I, I don't think we joined last year. We can't really join this year because we're not there at practice watching. So we we really can't uh, evaluate. But uh, it's time for you and Tashawn to select your super sleepers. And uh, for everyone who's not familiar, something that even Mark Davis does every year, uh, like to pick an undrafted free agent that you believe is going to make the roster. Um, you know, I'm a few years back, you know, Jalen Richard was a popular pick and obviously he made the roster. There's always, almost always, one undrafted guy that finds their way onto the roster. Um, will that happen this year? Hard to say, but uh, 
Deshaun, Vic, uh, let's get going with your guys' super sleepers. Well, I had my pony, and then the race started, and the pony went the other way. I, I was starting to <laughs> It turned around and ran the wrong direction. So uh, I don't think Dylan Stone is going to make the 53. They still love him, but I think they've, they've really locked in. Their six guys are going to be the guys we all thought, and Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed can play both the slot, outside, become kind of a veteran leadership type on that team. So I think uh, Stone is going to be in the practice squad. So uh, my super sleeper um, – was lost early on. So I'm going to go with uh, B.J. Edmonds, a running back at Alabama. I think he's Josh Jacobs' former roommate. Uh, was a top, top high school player. Uh, didn't have the success, obviously, that Josh did, but he's now he's here. He's looked good. There's an opening now. Jalen Rashard, like Deshaun tweeted this morning, has a foot injury. So I think uh, there's definitely a spot for him. And uh, So I'm going with B.J. Edmonds from uh, Alabama, uh, running back. Jeez, how many running backs does Alabama have? Their, their backup might make an NFL team? That's what they do, man. That's how, that's how they roll. You would have three three Alabama running backs, right? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I go with another running back. I'm going to go with a uh, Trey Rigas or Rogas. I'm not sure. Oh, we're going head to head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like yeah, it. He's a he's a bigger back, five ten, two fourteen. Bigger, big. Average around, yeah, six, six <laughs> average six yards a carry at Louisiana. So that's, that's that's pretty good chunks for yardage there. So I, I think uh, you know he's not an Alabama guy, you know, uh, but. He's been around. I think Edmonds got picked up, you know, when they had their the COVID issues to start start camp. And I'm pretty sure Regis had been around throughout the mini camp. You know, I, I think he. And I had Regis. I said, "Yeah, we need somebody else." Let's look at DJ. Well, they had Theo. Theo retired. You know, what I'm saying Jalen's been been in and out. So you know, they need some fourth, fifth guys. But no, I, I think uh, you know, obviously Jacobs is more of a balanced back and. Drake wouldn't call him finesse back necessarily, uh, but you know he, he's more toward that side with being more of a receiving skill. So if they get another another bruiser on the roster a little bit um, to come in in those short yardage situations and, and give guys a breather and um, maybe hold up on some pass blocking, I think you know at least until you know we we don't know how long Richard will be out um, or how they'll kind of manage that with the roster situation. But we, we figured they'll carry at least three running backs into the season. So. One of us would be right. We'll just have to wait and, and see Ooh, which one. We should get a bet going for the Monday night game. It'd be funny if there was another another one that I made. Was there a guy from uh, was it guy Garrett? Uh, what's his name? Was it Groshek? The guy from uh, what if he makes it? We're both wrong. That'd be that'd be bad. Yeah, he looks like a fullback to me. I don't he know. does, I don't but fullback, running back. Tomorrow, tomorrow. We'll see. Hey, Gruden loves fullbacks, man. Two fullbacks, Alec and Golden, this guy. <laughs> you got one that can do a little bit of both. You know, get get back up at both positions. Um, all right, Ted, I wanted to talk to you about, you wrote uh, on Thursday morning uh, about Damon Arnett. And obviously, um, this is, it's one that's, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But pretty consistently throughout the first week of training camp, he is, he is the number two. He's with the second team defense, uh, you know, Trayvon Mullen and Casey Hayward, uh, by all reports. I mean, all expectations, I think, at this point, would be pretty surprising if those guys are not your two starting cornerbacks. And, and because Arnett hasn't really worked much in the slot, it looks like he's going to be a backup. This is a guy that they spent a first-round pick on a year ago. Um, as you wrote, he was a better fit in Paul Gunther's defense than he is in Gus Bradley's. How concerning should this be that a first-round pick from a year ago is not in line to be a starter right now? It's very concerning that they think he's so far behind that he can't get reps with the first team because that's how he's going to get better. But they, they seem pretty content on and starting Hayward. And if you just look at just starting with the, the prototypical size of a corner – in this this defense, he has to be at least six foot tall and have thirty two inch arms. And the thirty two inch arms thing, you know, has been confirmed you know, by John Snyder, who who talked about that. And 
before 2020, they, they never drafted a corner with under 32-inch arms. And Arnett has 30-inch arms, which are, are really short. And in college, he played a ton of press coverage at Ohio State. So he doesn't have a lot of zone experience. And in the NFL, it's limited action. He, he didn't play a lot of zone, especially he didn't play a lot of deep zone, too. And it just takes a whole different skill set to be able to play zone. You have to have good zone eyes. You have to have the footwork to play zone. And, you know, with the length, they want guys with a little bit longer arms because when you're playing zone, you're always breaking on passes. And th- those extra inches make, make a difference. I just think he's not a great fit in, in the system. And he's going to have to, and he, you know, he has a lot of ground to make up. Uh, with Hayward, who who did lost a couple steps. I watched him last year, and you know, he, he did look like he lost a step or two, but as far as his footwork and processing, I think he still does at a high level. So, you know, I don't know what his offseason was like. You know, I don't know if they're happy with the way he, he was studying, but he, he has a lot of ground to make up uh, when it comes to catching Hayward. Yeah, I know some people on, on in our comments and on social media have kind of questioned is it maybe there's some kind of off-the-field thing with Arnett, but I don't know why they've turned to that. I think it's pretty much strictly on the field at this point. Most people didn't project him to be a first-round pick coming out of college. You know, some of those concerns were already there on the field. And, you know, we, we saw last year, you know, he really struggled to stay on the field with that hand injury and then the concussions. And then even when he was out there, you know, he had some good moments, but you know, his play was, was pretty rocky as well. And so coming off of what we've seen so far, it's not that surprising that, you know, he would lose ground to a proven established veteran who's been under the defense coordinator for four years before. So, I know people have kind of been fishing for the off the field stuff, but I'm pretty sure this is strictly a on the field situation here. Yeah, I think there were some maturity issues, but I think the team is confident they've addressed those. So I think, like Ted and Deshaun were saying, this is more of a football thing. I think Casey Hayward obviously knows Gus Bradley and Ron Miles, the um, DB coach, very well. So when they brought him in, I'm sure it was clearly communicated look, we want you for your leadership, you know, we'll show the other guys how to do it, but also you're going to play. And I think he wouldn't have come here unless he was going to play a lot. And that's been clear from. Day one at camp, he's been pretty much in every single snap in the first team. So I think uh, for him and his mind, I'm sure it's no surprise and stay with the coaching staff. So I think for Damon Arnett, you got to really take the bull by the horns and try and not only get better in the scheme and, and make some plays when you have chances, but you know, you're trying to find a role here somewhere because just because you were a first-round pick a year later doesn't, doesn't mean anything right now. And also, I mean, you know, just because you start the year as a backup doesn't mean you're going to finish the year as one. I mean, you know, if – Hayward comes out here in the first few weeks, he's getting torched. You know, we might see Arnett slide back up there. You know, I think it was a Mullen's first year that, you know, he started the season, you know, as a backup role and ended up you know, taking over as a starter and he improved as the year goes on. And so uh, not every draft pick is a hit in year one, you know, maybe it just takes Arnett a little bit more time. You know, we could very well end up into the season. He's back into that starting lineup. So it's one of those things we have to wait and see. Yeah, just look at their history. I mean, how many times the Rays brought in these veteran defensive players who they got all excited about, leader, you know, and training camp is pretty easy. Season starts, like, oh, that guy's slow as hell. And then, then that's happened a lot of times in the last five, ten years. So I think you, you cross your fingers that Hayward I hope he hasn't lost too much of a, of a step, like Ted said. But yeah, you never know. You never know until the Bulls start flying for real. Uh, how good is he still? Yeah, we're still five weeks away from the opener. That's obviously worth remembering that uh, things can change even before the opener. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's uh, take a few questions here before we get out of here. We forgot to uh, I forgot to put out the call for questions last week, so we didn't have any. But uh, we'll go with uh, a few questions this week. We're starting this one from CJM. This is an interesting off the field situation. Uh, What's going on with all of the executive departures? And now the Raiders are hiring a law firm for the issue. Uh, Can anyone shed any light on the situation? that's something that obviously started with Mark Bedane's departure. Um, now you have three other executives that have reportedly left. I don't know how much we have to add to the situation. Um, 
anytime you see high level departures in a high quantity in a short period of time, there are some reasons to be concerned. But does anybody have any any firm information to add on to that, or is it just something that, that's probably going to have to be monitored to see what's going on here? Yeah, I think you guys watch what happens legally. I mean, I know there's a report about the law firm. I'm not sure that's true, but it might be true. But definitely, there's no question. But Mark Bedane left, and some other guys have been let go. And um, I know Bedane said he resigned. The only guys who really know what happened are Bedane, you know, Mark Davis, and Dan Ventrelli, and the lawyer, and, and now president. So those guys, they're not going to tell me or us what's going on, really. So we have to just kind of, people are guessing, which is kind of dangerous. So like you said, we'll have to wait and see what happens, I think, as this plays out. If, if there's a legal a trail we can follow. But uh, as for right now, there's no real answers. just kind of, it's it's really weird. The timing is, is really weird. And uh, obviously, the more bodies pile up, the more it's pretty clear that something probably happened. You know, for fans, at least this is on the not on the football side of things. This is, you know, on the business side of things, which should not affect what's happening on a field. Ironically, that's the that's the area where they've had, a, you know, not that they've had a lot of business success, but they have had stability. A lot of these guys have been in their roles. I mean, Bedane was in the organization for, what, 30 years. A lot of these guys have been uh, a lot of these folks have been around for a long time. So that is where they had had some stability. Maybe it's a good sign. Maybe the business side falls apart. The football side <laughs> goes up. See, it's all good. It's all positive. You can't have both. Uh, all right. A uh, question here from Austin D. Been reading a lot of the success the offense has had in camp. Is that due to the defense still being terrible, or have you noticed improvement? I mean, I think we all know that the offense on this team is better than the defense, and the offense better be able to carry this team, right? Yeah, I think also a piece of it, you know, as I said a little bit earlier, I mean, the defense, they kind of can't really do anything. <laughs> you know, they can't can't touch the quarterback. They can't tackle anybody. They really can't get too involved when, when it's a jump ball situation. It, it seems like they're instructing them to back off because you don't see guys, you know, aggressively play the ball too much or try to make a play on it or make any contact with the receiver. Uh, we've seen a little bit more of that the last couple of days with pads, but I think it's pretty standard for the offense to kick the defense's ass in, in training camp when it's, you know, the, the defense is pretty limited. But, you know, I, I still would say that that's the stronger side of the football for the Raiders pretty clearly. You know, even if they do have some defensive improvement this year, like the offense should be, you know, beating them out there. So I wouldn't read too much into it at this point. I, th- I think it's too early to say whether the defense is, is still going to be trash or not. We just have to wait a little bit longer on that one. All right, question here from Kyle H. Who are some bottom of the roster guys that have looked imp- have looked improved slash better than expected? And who are some guys who have looked lost slash not ready? Uh, last year, for example, Vic was giving the thumbs up to Brian Edwards and the thumbs down to Tanner Muse. Is there any Tanner Muses out there that uh, you can just tell or <laughs> are just completely lost and uh, might have to find a, a way to get hurt and spend the year on I IR? I feel bad if I was a little too harsh on Tanner Muse last year. I'll, I'll give him this. He's been better this year. He looks like he's definitely faster. He's not, you know, there's kind of what's going on a little bit. He's been playing a little bit on the first team, which I don't think that's going to last long, but still nice. It's a nice reward for him for, like, sticking with it. So probably makes the roster. I think it'll be he's right in a bubble right now, but – uh, so he's gotten better. Um, I don't think anybody else really stands out to me as being uh, lost this year. Obviously, the defense is a lot simpler than it was last year, so it's easier to come in and make plays and just kind of react. It's more of a reactionary defense than it was last year. Deshaun, what, what do you got? Uh, I wouldn't say lost, but it's been a, a bumpy camp for Amik Robertson, I would say. Um, he's been on the bad end of a few of those uh, Brian, Terrell, Owens, Edwards uh, catches <laughs> that we've seen. At practice, yeah, Randy Moss, my bad. <laughs> when's he when's he gonna turn yeah, into Jerry Rice? Adams, you know, but yeah, he, he's uh, you know, he's mostly been working with the reserves, I would say. Um, for the most part, you know, he's he snuck in and got a few uh reps with the starters and backups here and there, but 
the draft pick this year, Nate Hobbs, he's really been taking a lot of, you know, first team reps at Nickelback and, and even, you know, back up behind Devin Lawson uh, when he's been out there. And so um, Hobbs is bigger. He's about six foot. Uh, I think Amik's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, it seems like they like him a little bit more. He's bigger, a little bit more physical, you know, and able to get up there with, with the receivers and some of those contested passes um, at that nickel spot. And so I, would, I wouldn't say he looks lost, but I would say he's somebody that's, you know, been losing ground while Nate Hobbs has been one of the, the surprises of camp so far. I didn't expect him to look this good this early on. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. Uh, we've, we're getting closer to the first preseason game. Uh, the Raiders got another week of uh, of work to do before uh, they, they get to hit the field. They've got what a, a scrimmage at uh, at Allegiant Stadium coming up this weekend, right? Yeah, they're going to have some uh, season ticket holders, I believe, are, are going to be allowed to attend. So it'll be pretty sure that the first time in the stadium playing, you're not playing, but doing something in front of fans inside the stadium. So that'll be a, a nice little landmark for them. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys, we'll be back, of course, next week uh, and throughout training camp as we get you ready for the 2021 season. So uh, we'll talk to you again later. All right, y'all. Adios. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. (laughs) 